Today's guest is a digital health evangelist, a serial entrepreneur, and a co-founder and COO of MD Integrations. MD Integrations is a telemedicine tech company which connects virtual healthcare providers with patients. Welcome to the show, Laura. How are you doing? Hello. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. It's so fun to meet you. It's a great delight to meet you too. I'm so thankful and grateful that you made out this time to speak with me on this episode of Talk. I'm so excited about, you know, everything you're going to open my eyes to today and everything you're going to teach me today. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Likewise. I think you're going to teach me some things too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I would love to start off with, you know, um, I've never been, I've never been in the army before. I've never, I've never done anything military before. And you, you wrapped, you recently wrapped up, you know, 14 years of um, serving in the U.S. Army as an officer in the U.S. Army. You know, you worked as a physician, as a family physician with the U.S. Army. So uh, would you like to share what your experience was like, you know, working with the U.S. Army? Yes, I, I would love to share that with you. And so, and I, I may do a little bit of explaining about how healthcare, if you have an international audience, yeah. the healthcare system in the U.S., I'll do a little bit of explaining as well. But I joined the Army, the United States Army, in 2005. And so back in that time, America was in the early years of the war. And it was a very, it was a very patriotic place to live at that time. American flags everywhere. People would be like, USA, USA. <laughs> and it was such a patriotic place to be. And so I joined the military because I wanted to get to serve and I wanted to help. And um, not only with the war, really, but also with anything humanitarian, anything disaster related, I wanted to be able to help. So you remember maybe in the, I want to say 2008, 2009, there was a Haiti, there was a crisis in Haiti yes. that was going on. There was a tsunami. I think that was in East Asia. There, there's always something happening and people need healthcare and, you know, the military is who helps with that. Yes. So I went to medical school, then I went to residency. So it was a long education of <laughs> you know, being in the military. And by the time I got out of my education, all of the major con conflicts were over. <laughs> so because <laughs> it took it took seven years. It took seven years for me to so it was 2014 by the time I finished my training and there was there, all the major conflicts were over. Yeah. So my first, uh, my first job actually in the army, I worked for the 91st civil affairs, which covers Africa. Oh, from, great. Yeah. Yes. So I spent two years, I actually got pregnant and had a baby. So I did not get to go to Africa, but our unit that I worked with was deploying to Africa every six months from Djibouti, all the way, you know, from one side of the country to the other in Northern Africa. Mm -hmm. So learned so much about travel, medicine, cultural medicine, um, how to take care of soldiers, how to take care of people. And I think you really get a, a heart, a heart and a, a love, or at least for me as a physician, I did get a heart for people yeah. and how to help people all across the world, which is really relevant today. Yes, that's true. Because yes. there's um, there's still conflict 
there's still hurting people. And um, so I learned a lot in the military about how to you know, care for people in other places that are in the midst of conflict. Mm-hmm. And so I also had the opportunity to do hospital work, which was a lot of fun, adults and children, and also worked with the disability program. So soldiers that are wounded. So in the United States, you have to be, there's a very high standard of fitness and wellness to be able to serve in the military. So if somebody gets a diagnosis of cancer or a bad diabetes or a chronic disease, they they can't stay in the military because it's not it, it won't benefit their wellness. So as they are transitioning out to being a veteran, which is what we call somebody who's served, yeah. they go through a program and I got to oversee that program from the medical side for two years. And so it was, it, it, honestly, it was, it was wonderful learning how to care for people. Mm-hmm. Cause if you, if you, if you break it all the way down, soldiers, you know, people across the world, host nation citizens, it's, it's all people. Yes, that's true. That need care. Yeah. And so I think that that's really what I learned in my 15 or you know, 14 years that's what I learned is how to care and provide care for the human, whether they're a soldier, whether they're in, what would be considered an enemy, whether they are um, here, whether they're overseas, in a hospital, in a village, in a clinic, in a war zone. How to care for the human at, that's at the bottom of all of that yeah. is, is the biggest thing that I learned. What's the place of empathy in caring for human, especially when you're serving, you know, with the U.S. Army or with the Army in general, like people that have gone to war, people that are transitioning from being soldiers to veteran. What's that place of empathy in healthcare? It's kind of interesting because the conflict that as a, as a military physician caring for the humans, you still have to think about the rules, the regulations, the army sets a baseline level of guidelines yeah. that I still have to abide by. So I have to know, and it's, it's not all that different. So from in the, in the U S we have, um, we don't have universal health care, and we have a lot of private health insurances yeah. that, that people get because they buy or people get through their um, employers mm-hmm. and that helps pay for their health care costs but it comes with a lot of rules, guidelines. They tell us, you know, here's what you can do medically. Here's what you can't do medically. And working for the government and being in the military, it's the same way. Mm. So there's this unique balance of having empathy and, and wanting and understanding that someone is hurting and wanting to provide them care and giving them the tools, but also having regard for the system that you're working in, in the military yeah. system. It's yeah. a very unique, uh, there's some art <laughs> to that. Yeah. And I think at some point you have to draw the line there, like, oh, this is the policy, or these are the policies and regulations. I'm so sorry, I can't do this for you because of this. Uh, that could be painful. <laughs> Unfortunately, in the position that I was in, mm. a lot of times I did have to be that 
we say bad cop, the, the oh. side that I know. And I, and I, I remember having to say a lot of times what I want to do and what I have to do are two different things. Yeah. And, and what you want and what I want are different from this, you know, the standard that we're held to, but here's the resources that we do have to try and get you what you need. That's true. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. You just have to have that balance there and the boundary sets. Yeah. No matter what. <laughs> life, right? Yeah. That's Down. how life is. Yes. Boundaries. Yes. That's true. Yeah. No, before we start recording, I confess to you that I've not really involved myself into, you know, knowing about telemedicine or telehealth. <laughs> so I was so grateful to, you know, while preparing for this conversation to read more about telemedicine and to, you know, just broaden my knowledge on that also. And you no, know, you are the co-founder and the CEO of a telemedicine tech company. So I love you. I think you're you are in the best place, best position to enlighten me on what telemedicine is about, what telehealth is all about. So can you explain this to me a little bit more? Yes, let's talk about it. So telemedicine, it's very simple. It's a doctor taking care of you mm -hmm. that they're not located in the same place as you. Mm -hmm. So we're having a conversation right now. If you said to me, look, I have a rash. Can you look at that? What do you think that is? Mm -hmm. If I say, oh, I think you got into some, a plant that you might be allergic to, you should put some steroid cream on it. That's telemedicine. Ah, yeah. So easy. Yeah. My first, my first telemedicine visit that I ever did was actually in the military. And it was a person in Uganda. Oh, <laughs> long distance. Yes. Yeah. So one of my, so in the unit that I was with, the medics, the army medics would go to East and West Africa and a little bit of North Africa. And they would be alone in these villages, working with the leaders, you know, getting to meet people, getting to know people, working on civil projects with the, the local people there in the town. And one of the guys got appendicitis in Uganda and the medic did not know what to do. So he, we all had iPhones. So he called me, he texted me, then he called me and he said, I don't know what to do, but I think this guy might have appendicitis. Mm -hmm. And so I'm talking to him. I'm saying, okay, press, press here, you know, push, push on his stomach. What's his temperature? What's his heart rate? Can you show me, can he get on the camera? Can you show me a picture? What's going on here? And so we had a telemedicine visit mm -hmm. from, I was in North Carolina <laughs> and they were in Uganda Yeah, and Ultimately, he did go to a hospital and he had surgery to have his appendix removed in Uganda. Mm. Um, and then he made it back to the U.S. and he was fine. Oh, that's so awesome. That's the power of technology. Yeah. yeah. And that was that was the first time I, I really did telemedicine was actually from the U.S. to Africa. Yeah. And so. So fast forward to um, right before the pandemic, uh, right before the pandemic, I started working with a company that would do something very similar. Patients would call in and just tell the doctor what they're experiencing. And then the doctor would either give advice or they can even prescribe medicine electronically. And then we had the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, 
people can't go to the doctor. They don't want to go to the doctor, Mm. but they don't, people didn't stop getting sick just because doctor's offices were closed or um, hospitals were full and not everything needs to be seen in the hospital. So COVID, the pandemic, it just blew the doors wide open Mm. for telehealth because we had more people then we had healthcare facilities. Mm. We had more doctor or we had more patients than we had available doctors. Yeah. We had more needs than we had the ability to fulfill them. And so since the pandemic, telehealth visits of all kind, primary care, specialty care, pediatric care, you name it, you name it, we're doing it through telehealth now has just exploded. It's been amazing. Wow. So can you tell me more about the services and the solutions that your company offers? Like, I know this, um, the, the COVID or the pandemic um, inspired you to start MD Integrations, I believe. Yes. Yes. So can you tell me about, you know, the, the services that you offer, the solutions that you provide for the telehealth space? Sure. I'll, I'm going to put my businesswoman hat on. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened during the pandemic is that all kinds of founders entrepreneurs and founders of, they wanted to make telemedicine companies. You, let's pretend like you wanted to start a company called Mirror Talk MD, yeah. right? And you wanted to do it tomorrow. You had this great idea and you want to start a virtual health clinic tomorrow, but you've never done telemedicine. You're not a doctor. You may not know any doctors And you may not even have ever used telehealth before, but you have a good idea, right? You have a good idea. So what we saw in the pandemic is that, and and even still, even still today, all of these brilliant, genius ideas of people who wanted to start companies, they were ready to launch and the technologies available, the, the, the population is ready. The American people are ready and internationally even, I mean, the world is ready for telehealth because we've seen what happens when we can't go into the doctor. We're ready. Yes. And, but, but that experience is missing. Most telemedicine companies would be like you. If you wanted to start Mirror Talk MD tomorrow, you're not a doc, you're an engineer, right? You're not a doctor. And so the companies need a solution to help them have technology, help them have doctors, help them actually practice the medicine. Mm -hmm. So what MD integrations does is allows you as the founder of mirror talk MD in my imaginary company to do website, your marketing, your social media, your branding, your, your influencers, your podcasts, you do everything that you want to do about your business, but we handle the healthcare piece of it. Oh, that's brilliant. That makes sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yes, it does. It does. Um, that's how it works. So somebody, a patient comes into Mirror Talk MD and they need a prescription for something, mm. filling all their information and then through an API, which is, you know, a, an API, um, integration connects them to the doctors in the electronic medical record, Mm -hmm. which is white labeled MD integrations. The patients have no idea that we exist because it's a white (laughs) label. They think they're still with 
um, which is how it works because it's a medical, it's a medical group. Yeah. And then they get their prescription and then they go on about their day. That's a very um, smart concept, actually, to go about it. Yeah. But, um, you know, for, for people out there who say, uh, no, um, Laura, I'd rather go to the hospital. I don't want to call anybody to get any prescription. Can you, you know, convince them and tell, about, tell us about the benefits of telehealth? Uh, yeah, I think that's a great question. So, I, and I hear that a lot. My response to that is, you will eventually. You will <laughs> eventually. Because there is a use case for telemedicine for everyone. Every person on the planet will eventually run into a situation where they are inconveniently sick, mm. whether they're traveling and they're away from their home and they don't want to pay cash to go to a hospital in a town that they've never been in or they don't know any doctors. Yeah. Or maybe you're traveling and you leave your medicine at home. You take a medicine every day. Let's say you have asthma mm -hmm. and you have an inhaler and you forget it. You come to America to visit me in Nashville and you forget your inhaler mm -hmm. in Germany. Yeah. You don't want to take, most people would say, I don't want to take six, seven hours to go to the emergency department or an urgent care and spend hundreds of dollars when you can go on telehealth and spend 20 or $30 mm -hmm. and have your inhaler in a couple of hours and not have to go anywhere. Uh, that's it's good. faster, yeah. it's cheaper, mm -hmm. and you can do it anywhere, anytime um, on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get them. yeah. So eventually, and not everything can be handled through telemedicine. Okay. We still need to go to our doctors for some things. We still need to go to the emergency department for emergencies, but for the right reasons at the right time, I'll give you another example. Last weekend, half of my children, I have four of them, half of my children got strep throat. So two of my kids, they're four and one. And it was nine o'clock on a Saturday night. Somebody had a fever and a sore throat. And I said, Okay, great. <laughs> I have test strips. I bought some test strips on Amazon. Right. I swabbed their throat mm -hmm. and I got the little test. It says, looks like a pregnancy test. Got two lines on it, mm -hmm. positive. So what I did, so it's nine o'clock at night. I've got two sick kids that are now in bed. I took a picture of that little test mm -hmm. and I sent it to my children's nurse practitioner yeah. through her messaging app, telemedicine. She sent in some amoxicillin mm -hmm. and the next morning I was able to start my boys on medicine oh. without having to leave the house. Well, except to pick up the prescription, but mm -hmm. I didn't have to take them to the hospital at nine o'clock at night. Oh, that's so convenient. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's true. But uh, well, some people could ask that, um, Laura, is it safe? Like, uh, you know, there's one thing that comes with, you know, building a relationship with your personal doctor, you know, you could converse with him or her and have that, you know, rapport basically with the doctor. But then I'm just calling someone randomly on the telephone and I'm speaking and you are giving me prescriptions. How safe is that? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. So it has to be safe by law in order for us to even um, 
there are a lot of laws and regulations (laughs) that we have to abide by in order to even get permission to have a website Mm. or to have um, like a payment processor if you're going to use Stripe or Square or whatever. Um, And then also electronic prescriptions Mm. in order. There are so many hurdles that we have to jump over to get the website vetted they request all the doctor's licenses it's probably a six-month process to get approval to do this stuff online so it should be especially in the U.S. where it's a very regulated industry Mm. if you're getting through to a telemedicine doctor on the phone the fact that they're even able to have a website and be with you tells <laughs> yes. you that they've already gone, gone through a lot of um, safety validation. Have you heard about Newsly? It's an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android that picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment. It reads this article to you in a natural human voice. You can follow any topic as specific as you like it, from sport to entertainment to science to Bitcoin. It will find the latest articles and read them to you. And they also have podcasts. Our podcast, Mirror Talk, is there as well. You can also explore trending podcasts from over 50 countries. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me. Use our promo code M1RRORTALK to receive a one-month free premium subscription. Link and promo code are available in the show notes of this episode. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> now we could feel you could feel safe and secure that yes, we're going to be handled properly and given the right prescriptions too. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So you know, earlier you, uh, you talked about you know telehealth as like its limits. Basically, so you can't do everything with telehealth. So. From your, exp- from your area of expertise, what, what do you think is the future of telehealth? Is what the future of telemedicine? Are we going to be able to do operations and surgery through the telephone also very soon? Or what do you think is going to be? I don't like? know. I mean, I do think it would be fun. I yeah. think that the future of telehealth lies in development of technology, mm. more technology, big ideas. These founders come up with ideas that are just unbelievable unbelievable ideas that people can come up with and but we do need we need more technology we need smart devices we need um i don't see any reason why we couldn't we already have robotic surgeries yeah right yes which of a robot driven by a surgeon where the surgeon is not touching the patient the robot's doing it all Mm. so I, I, I do think that we are going to see a lot of progress as the technology develops. Ah, that's good. Do, do you work with, with drones already? Like, you know, maybe when someone calls and says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling bad or someone, and the person has to use some medicines, then the drone flies over to the person's house or address to deliver the medicine. <laughs> I that... wish. Let's develop that idea. I think yeah. that is great. Drone MD, we'll call it. Yes. I think that- or drone rx yes exactly so when they call md integrations when they call you for example and you say okay you have to use this antibiotics and use this then what's your home address what's your you know um gps coordinates then the drone comes and gives you the the drugs to use i like it See, you're thinking like a founder <laughs>
but I'd love to also to know about you know from you being in the medical field. I I hear a lot about you know em, em, emotional support animals, and um, you know you hear a lot of news with the disruption that they cause in airplanes and all that. So can you educate um, the listeners and I about you know emotional support animals? Do you have any experiences with them, and how do they truly support human beings emotionally? Yeah, that is a great question. And I will tell you, this is a hugely controversial topic, mm. but I, I enjoy talking about it because I think that we can help people to think about this in another way, mm. right? Yeah. In the U.S., there is a huge stigma against um, support animals. And I think that it comes from a lack of understanding. Mm. So I'm sure you've heard most people these days want to try to find natural alternatives. Mm -hmm. They want to try natural medicine. They want to do supplements. Yeah. They don't want to take a prescription pill mm -hmm. every day for the rest of their life. Sure. They're looking for natural ways mm -hmm. to, to benefit their health or to treat their conditions. So there has been this movement of people wanting to see if they can use emotional support animals in place of psychotropic medications, mm. things like Prozac, sedatives, anxiety medications, mm. which have a lot of side effects, right? Yes, yes. And there has been research that has shown, um, just as an example, um, animals, access to animals, can help calm symptoms of paranoia, even blood pressure. That's well documented. That's why they have, you know, if you've ever seen animals in the elderly people's homes, yeah. right? And like we call them nursing homes, but the petting the animals actually has shown to decrease blood pressure. And so there's something to it. And so um, I always tell people that if you, if you have, an illness that qualifies though for an emotional support animal, mm. you're still responsible for making sure that it's safe, mm. that other people are not harmed. Yeah. Damage and property damage is not done to mm. the place where you are, whether it's an apartment or a plane or a house or um, a condo, wherever it may be, yeah. just because an animal provides you therapeutic benefit and you're using it instead of popping tranquilizers all the time, mm -hmm. um, you still have to respect the property and mm -hmm. the people. So it's controversial because sometimes the, the people don't make the best decisions, but mm -hmm. I support, I actually do support um, these prescriptions for emotional support animals when done in the right time, in the right way for the right person, it can be a huge asset to, to their wellness. Yeah, oh, that's good. And with this, your support and knowledge, you know, of the benefit, um, are you, are you allowed legally to, you know, prescribe it to someone where if someone calls you Laura and says, I'm um, Laura, I'm feeling anxiety I'm, I'm, I'm having this anxiety and I'm feeling maybe depressed or whatever. Could is it, are you in the you know in the right place legally to say, oh um, do you have a cat you could pet, do you have a dog you could you know um you know take for a walk for example? So yeah, so the way that it works is when it comes to things like friends and family, it's not really ethical mm -hmm. from a medical perspective to do that for friends and family. However, 
I can refer friends and family. To, and that's the same thing for, for any sort of healthcare. If, if somebody calls me and said, I'm having this problem and I don't know what's going on. It's harder to think objectively mm-hmm. about people that you have a social or a relational you know, relationship with. So I may refer them to a colleague, but as, um, as patients, if patients do approach me in my primary care clinic, uh, virtually or in person or wherever they are, and they, they get diagnosed with depression, anxiety, panic disorder, post-traumatic stress, um, Autism spectrum disorders is a great one. Mm-hmm. Um, even developmental disorders, people with cognitive delay, dementia, Alzheimer's. There are so many medical conditions that can benefit from the interaction and the care involved with these emotional support animals. Mm-hmm. Um, that yes, that's how that's how the prescription would be recommended. Recommended. Oh, okay. Oh, that's good. So I was thinking maybe you, you know, as a medical doctor, you know, with all the years of training, you could say, I know, leave the emotional animals aside and uh, emotional um, support animals aside and take this medicine because it's the best for you. (laughs) Yeah. You know, what's really interesting is technically the medicine will always be the best until we have research that tells us otherwise. But there are a lot of people today that have side effects. They just don't feel good. They get, they feel really tired. They feel disengaged. They feel sluggish. They feel like they can't focus at their job or sleep, sleep disturbances, um, disturbances in their intimate life. There can be sexual side effects and it can be a problem for people. Um, Or alternatively, people aren't good with taking their medicine every single day Mm -hmm. and then they get withdrawal side effects or they don't get adequate response because they can't take their medicine. They can't remember to take their medicine every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... The, so medicine, as in I'm a traditionally trained doctor, and so I will always be the first to tell you that medicine is the prescription will be the best way mm. and the most effective and the most reliable way to treat your illness. But for people with that's not an option, mm-hmm. then this is a good next choice. Yes, exactly. Okay, that's like the plan B or this yeah, option two. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I'd love to know, or I'd love you to enlighten me on how, you know, we could make this telehealth or telemedicine thrive. Like what should we do? What should the government do in order to help the, you know, telehealth space or um, practitioners to thrive and also to help the health practitioners, like the nurses, the doctors, to help them, you know, perform better, maybe pay them better. What should be done? by the society and by the government? Yeah, I I think that the first thing that can be done is the laws need to be relaxed a little bit. Mm -hmm. In the United States, every state, and there's 50 states, has its own law about what you can do and what you can't do. Mm -hmm. And so it creates a problem because some states get better healthcare with telehealth than others Mm -hmm. because they're limited by the law. So I think the government should take a look at what the other states are doing And I think they need to realize that the reason why the laws have changed in some other places is because it's for the good of the people. They're trying to increase access to to care Mm -hmm. for all of the people that they take care of. And so the second thing, so that's for the governments. 
And also the American insurance companies need to figure out how to compensate for telehealth because as of right now, most telehealth is all cash pay. It still may be cheaper than using your insurance, but it's still cash pay. And so um, as a society, I would recommend that everybody give it a try. Give it a try, find a reputable company and give it a try because this is the future and it's not going anywhere. Telehealth is here to stay. And 20 years from now, 30 years from now, we're going to think about going online first for non-emergencies. We're going to think about going online for healthcare before we'll think about going in person for healthcare. And so the more we learn about it, the more we do it, the more we give it a try, the better it's going to get, the more technology will be developed and the more options will be available. And so I say, just give it a try. Just give it a try <laughs> and see how it goes. I think you'll love it. Yeah. We should just build a trust for, you know, telehealth companies and, <laughs> and try them out. Yeah. Leave good reviews, you know, <laughs> leave good reviews. And also, you know, here's the other thing I would say is if you have a bad review to leave, Leave it with the company. Don't leave it with the public because, because companies are acting in good faith. They want to do better. They want to have good systems. And so if you have a negative review, give it to the company directly so that they can work on their processes to improve it. Um, because if you leave a public bad review, then that's damaging to the entire reputation of the country and makes the, or of the company, the entire reputation of the company. And it makes the whole industry look bad. And it puts a, a negative light on, on the whole thing. And it doesn't give the company an opportunity to improve. Yeah. Ah, okay. That's true. Well, you know, as an entrepreneur too, um, how do you source for fund you know, for a kind of, um, health space or healthcare space that is, you know, still developing or still getting gaining, gaining awareness. How do you source for for funding? You know, to set up your facilities. How do you get support from the public, from government, or from companies or banks? Also, that's a good question. So, with telemedicine, mm -hmm. funding often finds you. Oh. I have never had to pitch investors. Mm -hmm. In any of the projects I personally have been involved in, I have not had to pitch investors because this is such a growing industry. It's such a popular and it's just doing well as an industry that uh, the funding uh, generally comes to us, yeah. if that makes sense. Yes. And the businesses are so successful and I think that's why it's important to mentor. I like to mentor a lot of young founders and small companies mm -hmm. because if they set their systems up right or in, in the way that I would say is best practices, they can become revenue generating very quickly without having to raise a lot of money up front. Oh, that's good. Can you share some of these tips with me, like, or with my listeners also? Like, how can we set up a company, maybe independent of um, it being telehealth company or um, tech company? Um, how can we set up our business in a way that it's, we could you know, generate revenue as soon as possible? Yeah. So the first thing that you have to do is, and some of these are just basic business foundational principles, but mm. the first thing to do is to think about what problem you're trying to solve and who you want to solve it for. 
because then that helps you identify your brand. Who is your ideal, uh, I'll say patient. We'll just keep going on the theme of telehealth. Who's your ideal patient and what problem do you want to solve for them? How are you going to solve it, this problem, in a way that is different and unique from anybody else in the industry? Because you're going to have competition. So do some research, look around at who the competitors are, and figure out what you're going to do different. Then the next step is to figure out what technology or what existing tools you're going to, what you, you can use to make your dream a reality. For telemedicine, there are there are some uh, electronic medical records that exist that are not expensive. There are video platforms that exist that are not expensive. And so you don't have to spend a lot of money up front in order to just, just put it together, right? So you figure out who you are, what you're offering, Find some inexpensive, simple tools. Less is more. Less is more in those early stages. You don't want to spend a lot of money on a big, expensive electronic medical record that has way too many functions, (laughs) you know, (laughs) just to get yourself off the ground. Mm -hmm. And then you have to figure out. And so after you've got your, your mission, your purpose, your goal, your systems, then you will have to figure out how to attract your patients. And that's where your brand, your marketing, your social media, your influencers, you have to put yourself out there, your podcast, your radio, whatever you're going to do, whatever you're going to do, online marketing, totally up to you how you want to do it. But you have to find a way to connect to your patients. And that is a skill that, and so that's not the skill that I have, right? That's what I rely on the founders to do. Because if you can do all of that, somebody like me can handle the medicine and you don't have to worry about the medicine. You build a business, I'll take care of the rest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Yes. That's called division of labor. Yeah. (laughs) Delegation. Yeah, exactly. I, I love what you said about, you know, starting, you know, this having little beginnings, like starting with you know, simple things, small things, don't pour so much money into sophisticated tools and just start little by little and generate revenue from the little that you have. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I yes. mean, that's the best way to do it. Organic growth. Yeah. Building relationships with people. Mm. That's how you grow. Yeah. And how can we, you know... um set goals for ourselves and you know meet these goals and even maybe exceed our business visions yeah that's super super important is setting goals right setting goals even if they're small goals you can look at your next two years you can map out your next two years the first two years of your business just based off of goals right so you make a list of priorities and you say here is the 10 things or the 15 20 however many I want to accomplish, or I will, I will accomplish in my first two years of business and put those on the calendar, January, March, July, October, or a lot of people do it by quarters. They'll say Q1, Q2, doesn't matter how, you know, how you label it, but put it on a timeline. And then you have to break that up into smaller steps to say, okay, before I'm going to do step one, Here's the five things I have to do 
And if this is, I have, I have three months to get this done, then I need to be getting one of these things done every two weeks, you know, just, just set those goals and set those boundaries and then continually reevaluate your progress. You're going to have some things that you're going to get done faster. You will have some things that you will get done slower. Yeah. (laughs) Always, always, always. It's usually either tech or legal. No offense. That's just the way it works. (laughs) It's usually the attorneys are the tech that slows things down, but that's fine. That means they're doing their job and they're doing it well. And that's fine. But I would say, don't be hard on yourself if you don't meet your milestones because progress is still progress. Even if it's not as fast as you want it to be, celebrate the movement forward, celebrate progression on your timeline and keep going. Just keep going. Yes. I love that. Just keep going. Progress is progress. I'm taking that home with me. Yes. No matter how slow it is. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Lara, for everything you've taught me. Um, thank you for telling me more about telemedicine, about telehealth, um, tech companies. But what's the best way to connect and work with you? How can we reach out to MD integrations and maybe sell our ideas or maybe call to, you know, get some services and some solutions also? Absolutely. Honestly, the best place to find me is LinkedIn. Um, You can come to our website, MD Integrations, but if you want to talk to me directly, um, Mm -hmm. find me on LinkedIn. That's my favorite social media because I like the professional networking. Mm -hmm. I really just, I love having those professional dialogues and getting to see what other people are doing professionally. Laura Purdy, I think I'm fairly simple to find. My, I think my headliner says like telehealth evangelist or something like that yes. on there. And so I, I would love, send me a message. I'm working on a process to get faster with responding, but send me a message and know that I will see it and I'll write you back. And I'll usually say, hey, let's take this offline. Send me an email and or send me a text or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I would love to talk. That's great. I'm going to place your link in the show notes of this episode, link to your LinkedIn profile, and also the link to MD Integrations website also for everyone who is interested to connect with you through LinkedIn and also to visit the website also to read more about the services you offer, the solutions that you provide, and also maybe get into the world of telehealth, um, you know, medicine or um, telehealth tech um, technology also. That would be great. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Laura. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Wow. You made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.